I think the foundation of great marketing at the end of the day comes from great creative and great creative comes from understanding your customer very, very well. Build your business for the future, not for what you have today, right? So customer service, one thing we really understand when we start scaling up is the customer service and happiness is the foundation to any good business and it can make or break you. When we start thinking about the new brands that we're creating in Qbert is, are we able to become a category king in this space? And if you aren't able to do that, then that's something that we need to rethink. So do you want to hear a really inspirational story of zero to $100 million in direct-to-consumer e-commerce bootstrapped, purposeful, and deliberate? It's this episode you do not want to miss, where I interview the founder of FitTrack, Jeff Lee. So stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. So welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. Now, the episode you're about to listen to is an interview I had with the founder of FitTrack. His name is Jeff Lee. He's based out in Canada. I believe he's based out in Toronto. And um, his story is one to admire. He's, at the time of this recording, 29, built out a zero to 100 million. He built out a hundred million, you know, dollar business essentially called FitTrack. Um, I, I, I remember two Christmases ago, I was um, thinking about buying a scale, and you know that came into my radio. Only that you know, the, the 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 amount of time um, it would take to ship to the UK was just not working for me. So I had to to look for a more domestic, you know, um, supplier of my of the scale. Basically what FitTrack does is they do two things. Um, they started out selling um, smart scales, essentially. So scales um, that, you know, get your weight and um, tell you your body fat and your body composition, all that good stuff. And um, they do that um, both on the interface, on the scale, as well as on an app. And then they segued or they, 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 they did a few, a, a product launch for a smartwatch 
to create like an ecosystem um, for, you know, health data collection. And um, essentially, it's a product business on the one hand and a software and app business on, on the other. And apps, the, the app actually, you know, enables retention and, you know, obviously word of mouth. That's why we're talking about it. So Jeff tells his story about um, how he was in a quarter of a million dollars of debt, essentially, um, how he traveled over to Hong Kong to learn manufacturing um, and Switzerland um, to learn about watches, his darkest moments, um, how he puts his head down learning Facebook advertising, um, how they work on retention these days. And what I tried to get out of him was like, what was the mindset and what did, did things look like from zero to six million? Because they, 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 they got six million in revenue pretty quickly pretty quickly. I'm talking three months. And then um, another key charge or milestone essentially was when they moved um, to 20 million. And and then the, the 20 million was a big jump to where they are now. There's obviously a big, um, you know, the, 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 there's a big gap between 20 and 100 as to where they are right now. So we, we talk about these key milestones and, you know, to help whoever is listening to this podcast on the sort of mindset, the sort of preparation and the sort of expectations to have at certain revenue points. Um, he was super open. I don't know whether it was just uh, my luck with this interview, but um, he didn't hold back. He gave, he gave it 100. He gave 100. So this is a podcast, I think, or this episode is one I think people will reference over and over and over again. It reminds me of the Josh Ellis Stacey um, interview, the, the founder of Snow, you know, I had at the time they were doing the run rate. I can't quite remember. Run rate of, was it 10 or 20? But right now they're an over 100 million um, you know, dollar company, that's Snow. And um, I had him on the interview. By the way, Jeff and Josh will be in our upcoming conference, the Commerce to Sell conference on September the 16th and 17th um, this year. It's, an, it's a Q4 prep. They're going to be in the Founders um, Expert Panel. Um, it's, it's just one you, you do not want to miss, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant episode. And don't forget to sign up for the Commerce to Sell conference, you know, on running on September 16th and 17th, 2021. Enjoy this episode. Just leave your comments, share, 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 you know, share on LinkedIn, share on Twitter, share on your Facebook, wherever you'd love to share, share this episode. It's, it's just full of, of nuggets. Um, and that's all I can say for now. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Cheers. Bye. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nun, and Chubby's. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Shh. 
Shibob is the global fulfillment leader for e-commerce brands like you all. So back in March 2021, they launched their first UK fulfillment center in London. Now fast forward to summer, fall of the same year, 2021, they've opened a second fulfillment center up northwest of England in Manchester. This gives all of Shipbob's clients access to e-commerce markets in the US, Canada, Australia, and Europe. Shipbob offers direct integration to merchants running on Shopify, Wix, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, Amazon, eBay, and Walmart. This quote on their site from Courtney Lee, the founder of Primal Coffee, really stood out for me. I felt like I couldn't grow until I moved to Shipbob. And my CPA accountant even said to me, thank God you switched to Shipbob. I mean, who gets compliments from their accountant? Fulfillment is incredibly time intensive. So just hand it over to the best of the best for fast and affordable shipping. To get $500 in free shipping credits today, go to shipbob.com forward slash 2x. That's S-H-I-P-B-O-B.com forward slash 2x. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. This is your, well, this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. Now, on today's episode, we're jumping right straight into the meat because I'm just super excited about who we have here. Um, When the opportunity came on my table to do it, I was like, you know, I want to interview him today. His name is Jeff Lee, by the way. He's the founder of FitTrack. Now, FitTrack is a health D2C platform, essentially, which merges proper hardware with software to deliver solutions that um, just help people get healthier, in in short. Um, So Jeff, I'm going to read his bio here. Jeff is an entrepreneur and growth hacker, or growth marketer, rather, who is transforming the direct-to-consumer space through funnel and creative hacking. As a co-founder of Kubert and FitTrack, Jeff's focus is to create brands that customers can't live without and scaling brands to sustainability through performance marketing. Um, he, his business now is, is eight figures, multiple eight figures. Um, he did that in five years. Um, and what else can I say? Um, he's 29, um, phenomenal entrepreneur based out in Toronto. Um, I'm, I'm just super excited, you know, to, 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 to have you on the show, Jeff, without further ado, welcome. Hi, Kone. Thanks a lot for having me today. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I probably haven't done you sufficient justice um, in introducing yourself, in introducing Kubert, and also in introducing FitTrack. Could you take the next, um, you know, minute, two, even three, um, you know, to, to just tell us about you real quick and um, your, your two other brands. Um, yep, I can definitely do that. Um, so I'm one of the founders of uh, FitTrack and f- specifically for FitTrack, our goal is really to help people uh, live healthier lives by making health management more simple, sustainable, as well as actionable. Um, if we look at the health effects on the world today, um, obesity and overweight has become more common than ever. Um, and with our products, you know, users can now see how their daily choices from how much they move, how well they sleep, how well they handle stress, how well they eat, all connect to a full picture of health. And with such simplified and easy to understand health data, uh, users can now take control of their life and uh, health at the comfort of their own home as well. Brilliant. 
So yeah, that's a little bit about FitTrack and Qbert is the mother umbrella company that, you know, really our goal is to build brands that have number one, uh, a positive impact uh, on the world on, uh, in, in a positive way. So it could be, you know, making people live a healthier life, um, improving, you know, um, education as a whole, um, the health and happiness as well. So, so Kubert is the biggest story. It's it's like the the, the is it X Y Z with um, is it ABC or X Y Z the Alphabet company and then Google is under so Fitbit is is under Kubert. You know, in, in that you're doing yes much yes. bigger. You're solving much bigger problems, world problems, with Kubert. Yeah, that is correct. Phenomenal. You did mention that you're a co-founder. I didn't even pick up on that at all. Um, how many other co-founders do, do you have? And do you mind um, sharing their, their name or his or her or their names? Um, so for Qbert, uh, my co-founder name is Marius. Uh, he's also the CEO of Qbert. Okay. And then for Fitbit, Fit, for, for, for FitTrack, sorry. Uh, and FitTrack, I'm the founder and the CEO for FitTrack. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Let's... Um, just a disclaimer to, to people listening. Um, I'm on FitTrack's mailing list. I have been on their mailing list for the past probably two and a half years or so. Um, I, you know, purchase. I almost purchased a you know a, a skill, a smart skill, but just due to um, you know it being in the states at the time, I, I had this perception I was in the states and I wanted it like yesterday, and, and so I didn't. But I I follow. Fit track on a you know regular basis. The cadence you set on your email communication is immaculate. It's great. It's not just salesy. It's it's very educational, you know. And and that's why when you know this opportunity came, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, um, it, it's you know the stars do really align. Now, um, in regards to your backstory in terms of, um, you know, fit, fit, fit track. Um, how did you, what did you do before fit track and how old is fit track actually? Um, yeah, so fit track's about two years old. Um, I'll go through a little story of my entrepreneur journey today, um, prior to starting fit track. Mm. Um, so I was an investment advisor, uh, right after I graduated university, uh, and I was making pretty good money there, but I finally quit because in the finance world, it's all about making money. And I just wasn't happy, you know, working so hard, fighting just for money. Um, I felt like there was something missing there. I decided to take a trip to Hawaii to just think about what I wanted to do in life. Um, and I was really into watches then. So I, I came back from Hawaii. Uh, I flew straight to Hong Kong right after to learn about manufacturing. And then I went to Switzerland right after to learn about the art of watchmaking. Mm-hmm. And being so young, it was all about running business that was cool. And I don't think there was much thought that went into that. And I was really young at that time as well. And I didn't really know how much it cost to run a business. Um, I only had $30,000 saved at that point. And I thought that was enough. So fast forward two years later, um, I was $235,000 in debt. Um, but I'm also a very stubborn person. I think everyone was asking me to, Hey, you know, give this up, you know, this isn't working out, but I just felt like if I gave that business up, you know, if I give up on that, I'm kind of losing. So I continued that business. I sold everything I have to keep that going, you know, my table, my bed, every single thing, you know, and I think what was for me, what I had left was an air mattress. I had to shower in the good life gym because I couldn't afford soap, uh, And I think it was one of the darkest moments in, in my life. 
But I also felt it was that time that I've learned the most and I've grown the, the, the most as well. Um, and one of the really important lesson I've learned there was, you know, it's okay to lose sometimes if you learn and losing is a good thing, you know, because you learn the most when you lose. Um, and I, so after that, I decided, you know, just to reflect on, on what I needed. And I realized I didn't have, you know, the money making skills, the marketing skill sets. And I just knew that I needed to take a pause. Um, so I decided to go back and I took two jobs. Um, and I saved up and I took every day, you know, discipline, very disciplined on five hours every day after work to learn Facebook ads, you know, Instagram uh, marketing, um, email, CR, uh, and, and conversion optimization. It was around a 16, 17 hours a day, every single day, seven days a week. And it's gotten to a point where I felt like my work wasn't allowing me to learn as fast, uh, you know, after a 12, 13 hours work day you come back, you're dead, you know, you're not able to focus as much. So I decided that, you know, I really want to kickstart my second new business. Um, and to do that, I need to have more time to learn. Um, so I left my job, but I made sure that I look, I only had three weeks of run rate at that time. And I made mm -hmm. sure that I'm going to be learning 14 hours to 15 hours every single day. Um, and it took me about two, three weeks and I decided to launch my second econ business after. And two months later into launching that, I was able to go from zero uh, to $250,000 a month uh, for my first econ store. And six months later, I was able to grow my business from zero to eight figures uh, easily. And things was growing really great. And I continued to build uh, a, a second, a third econ store that was able to go from you know, zero to 12 mil uh, within the uh, first uh, six to eight months. Um, but then I felt that I was very much in the same place I was a few years back, you know, where I was like just mainly focused on making money and money was on the top of my mind above everything else. Mm -hmm. And with more maturity this time, you know, and reflecting, really understanding that, hey, success isn't about making money. It's really about making an impact here and mm -hmm. being of service to others. Um, so I really took, got my time to start thinking about what would my next venture be. And during that time I was going to the gym and I was so focused on gaining muscles. I was eating so unhealthily just to gain the muscle, just to bulk up. And then my dad sat me down and told me that, you know, how health is everything. And it not, it's not just about weight. You know, if I want to gain muscle, do it the right way and start measuring the correct way and, and not just measure the weight because your weight is not an accurate representation of your health or mm -hmm. your goals, you know, which is gaining muscles. Um, and my dad, you know, uh, got me a smart scale at that time, a much older version. And while that's not as accurate as, as the product that we have today, you know, uh, that still gave me a benchmark to see how my daily choices, um, from what I eat and how, how much I work out, how all that affect my body. Um, and I've just felt very grateful that I had that support, uh, you know, being able to understand, you know, getting the right health data, uh, and health advice. And that kind of started to light bulb in my head that, you know, I wanted to build something that, you know, allows people to have, you know, easy accessible health data like that as one well, health advice, mm -hmm. uh, making health management, uh, more easy and sustainable for everyone else. Right, and that, right. That's the idea uh, where Fitrite was born. 
Right, right, right. That that's deep. There's a lot to unpick from there. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions. Um, we go back to the the watch, your Hong Kong days with the watch, um, you know, business where you were in the negative of minus two hundred thirty-five, you know, thousand um, dollars. Did you launch a brand at the time, or was it all put into R and D and trying to research, you know, what um, you know, what what the industry was like? Um, so a lot of that, so I did launch a brand, uh, it's called Jeffrey Sawyer watches. Uh, mm-hmm. and I would say around 30 to 40% of that was R and D costs. Um, another, uh, 40% on marketing and then inventory as well. I think marketing costs was the one that took up, uh, the most money, um, marketing the product in, in the most inefficient way. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and then we we fast forward. Um, I you, you talk about your Balkan days. Um, I I I just I I empathize with you because um you know I've 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 been there. I've done that in regards to just looking at the muscles and the aesthetics and not actually looking at your health, where you, you're trying to run, essentially, and then you know you're out of breath, but you seem to look good, you know, aesthetically. Um, so moving on. So let's talk about the dropship, as in. To, it's still phenomenal to do dropship to 10 million, despite all the customer experience issues with re- related to dropship for you to, to run 10 million plus dropship businesses. That is, you know, um, that takes a lot of skill. It takes a team. Did you have a team at the time, you know, prior to, um, you know, launching Fitbit with, with, with the dropship, you know, um, experiment you, you were running at the time, I would even call them full fledged businesses at that scale. Yeah, I wouldn't say I had a team. I had, you know, virtual assistant uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a team of customer support people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say that would go to the bulk of it. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, I was running, I was literally sleeping at two, because back in the days, you know, where there isn't Facebook rules in place for you to optimize, you know, you have to, you can't just run a $30 budget. You have to stay in your computer. I would wake up at, you know, seven in the morning, jump on my computer and, and just optimize my ads all the way to 2, 2 a.m. And that's seven days a week, right? You can't go for dinner yeah. because, you know, you go away for two hours. You know, you could spend 10K or 20K on Facebook and, and, yeah. and, and get profitable. Yeah. Was this the fidget spinners days or um, slightly earlier or, or after? What, what, what kind of timeline was this? It was right around the fidget spinner days. Actually. <laughs> that was a golden, golden era of, of media yeah. buying right there. So yeah, it was great timing. Great, great timing. Okay. So, um, so you, you probably left all of that with a load full of cash. I, I can't imagine, you know, working at that scale. Um, you either don't make money in dropship or you make money. And I'm assuming that um, you took some of the monies to to get into, you know, fit track, something much more meaningful, um, that, um, you, you saw direct, um, you know, impact in not just your life, but, um, you know, lives across the board. So how did you, from a capital standpoint, and also from a barrier to entry standpoint, it's quite high, you know, you know, you, you I, I, you know, for you to get into, you know, smart scale, um, you don't want to get a generic product off, you know, the market, do you? You probably want to, you know, put something better, you know, do a bit of research, you know, um, software, it has to have an app and, and all that is capital intensive. 
Um, what did it look like as in building, you know, FitTrack and how long did it take you to actually bring FitTrack to market even before the marketing um, started? Mm-hmm. So it took me about, I would say six to eight months uh, in terms of building the app out, you know, doing R&D and a product because there is smart skills already on, in the market. However, there has, you know, the accuracy of the smart scale, the user experience, um, that was stuff that I felt that could be improved um, based yeah. on the research I've done. Um, and through the, the six to eight months, I think prior to, prior to even the six to eight months, I understand how capital intensive that is. And I'm a very big believer of, you know, being your own seat, creating your own opportunity and your seat funding and not waiting for a VC to come in to, to fund you, right? So yes. being able to have the opportunity to have my e-com stores, my drop shipping and my white labeling store before I almost acted as my seat self seat funder as well, uh, to be able to build the, take my time out to build the, the, the app that number one, have really great user experience that's able to take the data from the hardware and relay that back to the customer in a very easy to understand way, but also a very actionable way as well. Mm. 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 So you, you, you had hardware engineers on the one hand, and then you had app developers did you optimize for ios first or android what what was the thinking at the time um so we optimized for both of them at the same time wow because uh, okay. uh both our i think the research showed that you know there's people there's still quite a heavy base of uh, android users as well so i thought it was mm-hmm. crucial for us to launch with android and ios okay 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 and um, what did the the launch process look like? Because I I, I recall you mentioned the fact that um you know it's it's it was you did um you know six million in in record time um you know of of launching the the, the business. But w- what did the launch you know look like? What was the most important component? Was it um the creatives? Um, was it performance? Was it getting reviews on you know third party sites? What what did it what did your roadmap look like towards, um, you know, just growing really rapidly? I think the foundation of great marketing at the end of the day comes from great creative and great creative comes from understanding your customer very, very well. So I think that's something we were very much focused on in the beginning. Uh, I was combing through Amazon comments of every mm-hmm. smart skill that I could find, you know, um, and just reading what people liked about it, what were some of people's pain point, what did they didn't like about the products, really understand why people, you know, get into smart scale. What are some of the different journeys and different angles that people go into? They might be on a nutrition journey. Uh, they might be, you know, they might be in a, on a fitness journey like myself, or it could be smokers who quit smoking and, you know, they started gaining weight and they want to have a more healthier lifestyle. So being able to understand like, customer on so many different levels that their journeys, what are their pain points, you know, what are they looking to solve in their life? Allow me to build really, really strong creative and hypothesis to start. And I think that really is the foundation of, you know, any strong uh, marketing effort is to really understand a customer so you can build really strong messaging and creative that will resonate the best with your customer. And that really allowed us to scale from zero to six mil in the first three months. First three months. Wow. Well, meaning that you guys were doing, you know, like t- seven to 10 grand a day um, to, to, to get that scale. Okay, so um, it sounds to me like um, you had your, your customer personas, you know, um, ready, 
that you know and in in place so you had um the smoker you know bodybuilder health conscious which of these personas did you get the best reaction in the first within that first you know um quarter that first three months um it would be i think people who are trying to lose weight but in a healthy and sustainable way and people who understand that let me rephrase that who are trying to lose body fat percentage instead of losing weight, where they understand that weight isn't necessarily uh, a right judgment of your health yeah. and you know, your, what your, your real goal is. And in my, in my case, I'm trying to gain muscle, uh, which yes, I, I'm trying to gain weight, but what I'm trying to really do is to gain muscle mass and the audience that did really well was trying to lose body fat percentage rather than losing weight on its own. So right. I think that audience itself uh, resonated really well uh, where we, we really educate the people about it's not just about your weight. It's about losing, understanding what your weight is consist of, consists of and making the right choice to lose the right uh, body uh, and improve your body, the right body composition. Right, right, right. Okay, so your 100 million dollar company fit fit track itself is generating 100 million per year you know at the moment mm-hmm. how big is your audience at the moment the, your your owned audience I, I mean your email list for 100 million dollar company how how big is is an email list I th- our email list right now i i don't have an exact number but i th- believe it's around a 1.2 to 1.5 million uh people globally who do you use for email uh, platform-wise or? Yes, platform-wise. Well, we use Clavio. Well, Clavio. So uh, the sponsors of this podcast, by the way, but, um, it's incredible. I just wonder what your cost are, you know, from, from a Clavio at that one point, you know, 2 million. Okay. And another thing is um, multi-channel. Are you on Amazon? Um, are you purely D2C? Um, so yeah, so we're on Amazon as well. We, also, we, we just started retail as well. Um, and okay. We are in a few, we're in Best Buy, we're in Macy's, we're in Walmart, mm. well, uh, along with okay. our online e-com store, which is fitrack.com. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to jump into into all of that, into all those channels shortly. So as a 100 million, you know, um, you know dollar in revenue company, profitable, um, you did 6 million in the first three months. What key milestones from a revenue and um, just from a revenue standpoint um, do you think changed the way you did marketing significantly from that journey from 6 million to where you are now? I, I would say everything went really well from 6 mil to 20 mil. I think a business needs to evolve when you hit the 20 mil mark to run your business in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I think I'll, I'll run you through some of the challenges that we faced, you know, when we first went from six twenty mil to, to where we are today. Um, okay. so customer service, that fulfillment, you know, was affected because we scaled too far, too fast. Um, and with going, going too fast, our product, there's a bunch of product issues as well. And the lesson here is to, you know, to build your business for the future. Uh, not for what you have today, right? So customer service, one thing we really understand when we start scaling up is the customer service and happiness is the foundation to any good business and it can make or break you. When mm-hmm. you're at the level of 20 mil and above, 
what you're fo- you should be focusing on isn't just about acquiring new users anymore. It's about increasing the lifetime value um, and the experience of every user that you have. And by mm. having good customer experience, people would then come back and ultimately you would then increase your lifetime value for the customer. And that's where the real value of the business is because when you just focus on acquiring customer acquisition costs is going to keep getting more expensive and expensive. And if that's your only tool to, to always just focus on acquiring users, you know, that's just not a sustainable business and a sustainable business have to have a very strong repeat customer, a, a very high uh, lifetime value. And another part of that as well is on top of just acquiring customer through paid channels, we also understand that a healthy marketing mix for sustainability and for profitability, you need to have a very strong uh, organic, uh, uh, a full full marketing, which is not just paid traffic, but a mixture of, you know, own media and as well as earned media to bring in, you know, that, the different traffic source as well, the organic traffic source or the earned media traffic source as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you say that your journey from zero to 20 million was purely acquisition focused? Yes, purely acquisition, okay. purely on uh, paid performance marketing. But you were one product business at the time though. You were just selling the scales and, and the app, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but we decided, we, we, we were launching the, the watch as well. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. We understood that, I think, I think from 20 mil, that's when we launched the watch where we understand okay. that, hey, if we don't have a good customer experience or we're not providing real value to our customers, they're not going to come back to purchase the next product that we launched, which is the watch. And very initially, when we first launched the watch, we, that's kind of what we've seen because customer experience wasn't the focus of the company. There was so much stuff that we were focusing on beyond customer experience and that should truly be the first focus of any company. And that's something I've learned, you know, growing a company from 20 to hundred um, that to grow, you know, I think customer service isn't just good for the customer. It's good for business. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. 
did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. Awesome. Let's scratch beneath the surface on, on customer experience and customer happiness. What sort of issues were you having? Were they faulty product issues? Was it the unresponsiveness of your customer service? Um, did it amplify itself in terms of reviews on the outside? Could you just shed, you know, just share some some more light on, on what you were facing at the time? Yeah, so I think with the rapid growth that we had, I think our customer experience team uh, definitely have a hard time catching up to the tickets. But there was uh, periods of time where we have, you know, the delayed responses. Um, we didn't have a process set in place as well, where we are taking consumer feedback in the right way to feed that to the product team to build a better product to improve the the feature sets. Um, mm. There was with again with the rapid growth uh, and the and the database. You know there was bugs, there was crashes, um, and these was all almost put on the, the the second priority list and our main focus was just growth and all of, i would say 90 percent of the company effort was just focused on that and everything else was affected and it all comes down to customer service building that right process to inform the marketing team the right process to inform the product team to do better um and also because customer experience goes more than just replying tickets uh, in my opinion. Yeah. So that part just on the, the customer service front, that's something we've dropped the ball on very initially as well, but dive, going deeper into customer experience, it's also about being able to tweak, you know, uh, improve the feature sets based on customer feedback, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I love the fact that you, you mentioned that the heart and soul of all that you do is customer experience and customer happiness. And, you know, very early on, you mentioned the fact that that feeds into understanding the customer better and um, things like copy um, are fine-tuned off the back of knowing your customer better. And now you're talking again about, you know, using that as a hub to inform product improvement, you know, moving forward. So so that is a really, really, you know, um, big point I, I took away from, from what you just said. Now, um, so over... The, the lifespan, you said, um, you know, FitTrack has been around for like um, for two years now. Um, so over the life, lifespan of FitTrack, um, how many product iterations have you, you know, um, gone through? Um, and how do you balance out um, just inventory issues? You know, trying to, you know, you know, you, let's say you're, you're aware that, um, you know, customers are complaining about this batch. You, you have... 100,000 units to sell, just hypothetically speaking, um, or 10,000 units to sell. 
um, but you know that there's going to be another iteration, you know, in on the way. How do you balance that out? And I know I've asked too many questions in one go, but the, the two questions really are um, how many iterations have you had and how do you manage inventory um, with new products? So in terms of iteration, the, the part of our business is the iteration of the software itself. Because what the hardware is just hardware, right? The hardware takes that data and it inputs it into the app and it's the value is in the software and how the app delivers the experience to the customer. That's where we really focus on the, our iteration on and how we can improve the software experience. So we've went through multiple iterations. We've released, you know, uh, new updates, you know, on, on at, right now we, we release new updates every single month. Uh, but hmm. I would say back in the, my early days, it was every uh, three to six months. Right. Right, right, right. Makes makes a lot of sense. So, so the the hardware has really min- remained the same over over that period. Okay, so you made a decision twenty million plus okay to fix customer happiness, customer experience. Um, what specifically did you do? Did you increase the number of um, you know staff? Um, how did you change the process? Because really, um, you know, just growth is 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 about people. You know, processes you know, and, and, um, and essentially actions they, they take. So, so what did you do to really streamline, um, you know, um, your, um, your, your, to fix the issue essentially? So there's twofold to this. Um, so we started off by looking at customer experience beyond just customer service. Um, we built out a, a full customer experience team and that includes, you know, the customer uh, insights uh, team which consists of, you know, data scientists, uh, analysis to understand the customer even better um, because it goes beyond just your customer service agent, which I think a lot of um, brands are mainly focusing on just the customer service aspect, whereas customer service, customer experience really comes down to much more than that. So we built out a customer insights team uh, to, you know, do monthly uh, interviews and chats with our customer uh, to understand their pain points, you know, the, what they want to see things, uh, what, uh, how we can improve their life a little bit better. And then we, in terms of the customer service team, we built better processes uh, within uh, uh, communication within the company for, for us to work synonymously closely with the product team, the fulfillment team, the marketing team, because essentially the customer team, customer service team is one of the biggest role in the company. Um, and it needs to sit in the middle uh, to inform all the different teams within the company as well. So we built out a very strong process uh, in our customer service team. That way, um, all the other departments are very well informed and the entire company as a whole have that first touch point to the customer as well. Yeah, yeah. It's such an important department to to um to get right. Um, it's a core. It's really the core. And do you, do you suggest any tools? Um, you know, along obviously with 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 the people, um, to 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 help um just ease the, um, just managing customer you know service customer experience. I, I think there's plenty of tools out there. Um, from you know, uh, a, a better CRM tool. Um, there's also I think better bot bot tools like ManyChat. Um, you know, um, Landbot to be able to build a better experience all in on the customer service side. In terms of processes uh, internally within the company, that's something that 
we've built out um, and it's a lot of uh, manual work and uh, reiteration mm. of, um, but um, that's not, I wouldn't say a much of a tool that we use beyond a project management tool for communication. Okay. 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 So officially um, you've got um, the, the smart, um, the smart scale with software at the core. Um, you've got um, the, your, your smart watch. Um, what would you say was easier um, to launch the smart watch or um, or the range of smart watches or or the scale? I would definitely say the scale uh, is a much easier launch, and one of the reasons I I would I find the the smart watch a little harder is there's already a category king in the space. Uh, we all know Apple Watch, um, and I think the lesson there as well when we when we start thinking about the new brands that we're creating in Qbert is are we able to become a category king in this space? Um, and if you aren't able to do that, then that's something that to rethink of. Um, there's a really good book I've read recently called Play to Win. And it's written by one of the ex-CEO of Procter Gamble, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when he came in, he almost, I think he acts around 80% of their product line um, on items that they're not able to be the category king in. Um, mm. and they focus on stuff that they can absolutely win in that space. Um, so if they're not being going to be like the, the first of the first, then they cut that off. I think in, within, let's say if you're trying to enter the health tech niche, you would need to find an entryway first, you know, to compete in a space that there isn't a category king yet. And once you are there as a category king, then you have the opportunity to maybe branch out and, and start taking over other markets. Uh, and compete mm-hmm. other category king, but until you get there, you should really focus on building that category king within for, for, for your product. So I think having that lessons, uh, we understand that we have uh, opportunity here to be the category king in in the smart smart scale space, um, mm-hmm. and that really inform all of our business decision moving forward on are we going to be a category king in, in this space, and how are we going to get there, and uh, and then putting the effort to to get there as well. Makes a lot of sense about you know um, being being a category you know leader in in in, in a space. So, um, how many? What do customers typically buy first? Um, the smartwatch or the the scale? Um, so, customer usually buys the smart scale first. Um, we are see- with the improvement of our you know providing more values to the customer and educating the customers. We are seeing a lot, uh, a much more better uptake on people than repeating their purchase, not just on uh, the watch, buying the watch as a full ecosystem set, but as well buying the scales for their friends, for their family as well. Yeah. And and I guess that there's a bundling there. Yeah. So it's a great gifting opportunity. So so I guess your Q4 is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Your Q4 must be insane it must be insane it must be insane okay so um you from the sounds of things um you have grown from a 20 million dollar company to a 100 million dollar company through two major things maybe if you both through these things um you've expanded your product you you at the, at the core you've improved customer experience and been able to get insights customer insights from from customers um, and then you have um, brought in new products, which is the the Atria 2.0, your your, your smartwatch, 
and um, also you have revved up your marketing and moved into channels, new channels um, to to this hundred million you know dollar play. And I'm seeing this sort of um, pattern in hundred million plus companies. So my question is, um, what, how, how different from a marketing standpoint? is running and also from a team, you know, building a team is running a $20 million company to a hundred million dollar company. What, what does your marketing look like beyond budget? I think it's having, I think people, I think building that team out, having a very strong uh, set of, let's say, paid social media buyers, you know, to SEM, to account strategists. I think building that team out to be able to, grow from 20 to 100 is also very, very crucial um, beyond just just the marketing budget. And I think the thinking, the mindset of everyone have to change within the company as well. Um, when you're running a $20 million company to a $100 million company, the company, all and all, the culture and everything has to change as well. And I'm mm-hmm. very proud to, you know, of all of our team members and our team that we are all growing together um, in, in, in a very fast pace. If you look at a, a, a usual company, you know, life cycle, you know, a company usually uh, changes or, or grows, you know, every two years or three years. And we are growing every quarter, right? You know, a quarter yeah. ago, we are a much different company than uh, the company that we are this quarter. And it's very important to understand that, especially if you're growing that fast, to, to start thinking ahead and start building processes. We are starting to build process for us being a billion dollar company you know, and we're not mm-hmm. just focusing on where we are today. So I think it's very important for a company to always think ahead and start building processes and set things in place uh, for where they are going to hit next versus where they are today. Okay. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And um, what is the, um, what, what's the ratio of D to C versus all other channels? Um, I would say our D to C, and when you say D to C, I'm assuming you're meaning just our website, correct? Mm-hmm. Your, your website? I would say that still consists around a 60% of our revenue uh, compared to all the other channels. Um, yeah. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. You know, it's, it's more than half. Um, so it's, it's a mothership, really. It's a mothership. And what's been your experience with, um, with, the, with, with the big elephants in the room, the 1,000 ton um, or 1,000 pound rather, um, you know, um, Gorilla, Amazon. Um, how, how does Amazon, how do you, what's your experience with Amazon? I think we work really well with Amazon. Um, I think Amazon is just another channel for us to, to, to sell to our customers. At the end of the day, it's about providing customer the most value and, and some people, you know, who are just avid Amazon shoppers would only shop on Amazon because of that trust. And I think Amazon also allowed us to provide users with that, you know, next day shipping delivery. So I think Amazon has also played a very big part on on our growth uh, with being able to reach the audiences there uh, that otherwise might not have purchased outside of Amazon. Um, And also allowed us to provide a a better delivery and the one day delivery as well. I think it it really complements our DTC effort, I would say, uh, Amazon. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. And then what about um, international 
um, commerce. You're based out in, in Canada, Toronto. So you're probably looking at um, the US and Canada as just one single unit, North America. Is that the case? Um, and what about Europe? What about the UK? Do you have like um, fulfillment you know, centers um, across the pond? Um, how do you... What, what what are your key markets? Yeah, so we we actually look at every country as its own market. So we have fulfillment warehouses, a few of them. I think we have three in the States, two in Canada. Uh, we have one in the UK. We have one in France, one in Germany, uh, one wow. in Spain and one in Italy and one in Australia as well. What do you use for fulfillment? Um, we use Borderworks uh, fulfillment. Borderworks, yeah. okay. That's interesting. I've heard of them. Interesting. Um, yeah, f- phenomenal. And then how would you, how does, how does, um, how, what were your strongest markets? Um, the US, um, Canada, what, how does it look like? Um, I would say the US is still one of our strongest market. Um, mm-hmm. Canada is also a pretty big market along with Germany and France. Um, in the UK uh, is, is also one, I would say, right after Germany would be the UK as well. Right, right, right. I'm just looking at your Instagram and your Facebook. Um, there's a certain tone of voice. Um, it's, it speaks to female, I have to say. Um, is, is this intentional? Who crafts, who, who puts together, you know, um, your persona, your, your messaging um, across the board on social? Um, so that, again, comes through our consumer uh, insights team. So what we found that, I would say 70% of our users, 65 to 70% of our users are females. Um, mm-hmm. And so we cater, I wouldn't say all of our message to, to the female, but we make it proportional enough for, for our audience to really feel like we, we're speaking in, in the tone that they understand. And also I think it's almost like a, let me go back and actually explain. So you know how brands are becoming more like people and people are becoming brands and the user persona when we think of our brand is this, you know, uh, wellness guru, uh, that mm. is encouraging, uh, that is an, an ed- educating, um, mm. and motivational. And, and that's, that's kind of how we built our tone by, you know, really being, mm. having that persona of that wellness guru. Mm. It makes it makes a lot of sense, and and it comes across as that, and it comes quite authentic and positive, positive, right? Um, I, I've I've asked a ton of questions. I just wanted to 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 thank you for um you know for for this opportunity, you know for for us to really probe, you know um you, um you know Fit Track is is phenomenal, you know I have to say as as a company, um the the final question I had to do to ask really was your retail. Um, what's been your experience in in retail? You did mention the fact that you're in Best Buy. Um, what takeaways um, would have you um, do, do you have you know now um, with with your experience in retail? Um, so retail is something that we just started out, so it's not something I could give much advice on. I'm sure if you ask me that in six months from today, I have plenty of experience and advice to give you. <laughs> brilliant, 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 brilliant. Well, well, um, I yeah. Are there any other questions you think I haven't asked you? Um, I think you covered a lot of really great questions today. Uh, So I really appreciate that. Brilliant. Okay, so before I let you go, we have what's called like an evergreen rapid fire, um, you know, section of every podcast with founders. 
And um, I'm going to ask you about seven questions. And if you could use a single sentence, it's not mandatory, but it's it's a format um, to, to, to answer each question. Um, you know, I'll appreciate it. Yeah, go for it. You ready? Yeah. Okay. What advice would you give to yourself five years ago? Um, hone in on your marketing skill sets uh, before starting a business. Awesome. Are you a morning person? Uh, now I am, yes. <laughs> do you have a, a daily morning routine? Yes, I do. I meditate uh, very early in the morning because it really sets your mm-hmm. tone for the rest of the day. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I usually I have a night routine as well where I would plan my day ahead of time. So that way the next day I, I can meditate and then get into work right away. What two things can't you live without? My iPhone and my computer. <laughs> okay. What book are you currently reading? Um, the Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Awesome. All right. What's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that has given you the biggest feedback. Have growing too fast and having issues with customer service, I think that really made me understand, made me dug a lot deeper into what customer service really is and understanding how that is the true value of any business. Awesome. If you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be? Play to win, for sure. Play to win. We'll, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, I have to say, we're in, you know, um, we're, in, we're in the month of July. We're just approaching August. Um, this is probably the best, comes out top um, interview I've had this year from a founder. I just want to thank you, Jeff, um, for, for coming on the podcast. For people who want to find out more um, about FitTrack, um, it's just fittrack.com, F I T T rack.com and Jeff um, are you active on social media um, do, 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 do you post anywhere do you hang out anywhere so people can follow you yes uh, so you guys can find me on LinkedIn under uh, Jeff Sawyer Lee or Twitter and Instagram which is Jeff L Sawyer uh, that's J-E-F-F-L-S-A-W-Y-E-R we'll link through to all your socials on um, the show notes it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show Jeff cheers Thanks a lot, Kunle. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.